September 15th, that's kind of our kickoff for this fall. We're so excited to have Kathleen in here. She was at North Point Church uh, in Georgia, and that, that one of the largest churches down in Atlanta. And then we're the, the third place she's ever come to. So she's excited. She got me excited. It is, as Terry said, a great opportunity to invite folks that maybe don't normally go to church or friends, whatever, because it'd be non-threatening. It won't really be a sermon. We'll be going through a lot of teaching. I'll be doing Q&A with her, and it, it, we hope you'll uh, do that. Um, we're in our teaching series, uh, Modern Day Prophets, where we've been looking at the stories of Elijah and Elisha, uh, two prophets during a very, very turbulent time in Israel's history, political unrest, spiritual unraveling, <clears throat> people limping in all different directions, uh, forgetting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, going on to their own whims. And we thought, boy, they have a great message for us today. And we've been looking at their miracles, okay? Things that we call um, miracles uh, within the scriptures. And um, when John the Baptist's disciples were sent out to ask Jesus, um, are you the one or should we look for another? He said this, go and tell John what you hear and see the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And that's almost a summary of the lives of Elijah and Elisha. They did every single one of those miracles. And when Jesus showed up, he did every one of those miracles. And today we have a story from 2 Kings about Elisha, which is about opening uh, the eyes of the blind, giving sight to the blind. So listen in on this story with me for just a moment, if I can open my Bible. There we go. Here's what the Word of God says. Once the king of Aram, and Aram, the Arameans, were in Syria at this day and age. Long-time enemies of Israel. We see the strife between Syria and Israel today. It's gone on thousands of years. They were at war with Israel, and the king took counsel with his officers. He said, at such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, take care not to pass this place, because the Arameans are going down there. The king of Israel sent word to the place of which the man of God spoke. Uh, more than once or twice, he warned such a place so that it was on the alert. The mind of the king of Aram was greatly perturbed because of this. He called his officers and said to them, Now tell me who among us sides with the king of Israel? Then one of his officers said, No one, my lord king. It is Elisha, the prophet of Israel, who tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. So he said, go and find where he is. I will send and seize him. He was told he is in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots there and a great army. They came by night and surrounded the city. When an attendant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. His servant said, alas, master, what shall we do? Elisha replied, do not be afraid, for there are more with us than there are there with them. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and he saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the Arameans came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, please, with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha has asked. Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city, follow me and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they may see. The Lord opened their eyes, 
and they saw they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, Father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? He answered, No. Did you capture with your sword and your bow those whom you want to kill? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and let them go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. After they ate and drank, he sent them on their way and they went to their master and the Arameans no longer came to raid Israel. The miracle of giving sight to the blind. What's going on here? The king of Aram in Syria the Arameans are at war with Israel. And what happens if you hear the two little scenes in that story is uh, every time Syria, the king, sets up a plan, this time it was an ambush, somebody tips off the king of Israel to avoid it. So he basically calls his officers together and said, we have an informant. We have a mole. Who is doing this? And they said, no, it's that prophet Elisha. He has spiritual sight. He has a vision where he can see what's going on, and he's the one that's causing the problem. Now, see, this is teaching us something right away, that the miracles do talk about, you know, the miraculous power of God, that God is with us. God so loved the world, right? We're the only ones that say that, that he entered into the world in the flesh. And so showing us, restoring creation, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, preaching good news to the poor. God is loving the world. But there's also something going on in the spiritual realm. That God is loving us physically, but he's teaching us spiritually. So when Jesus comes and raises the dead physically to show the world how much he loves the world, he also has come to raise us from the dead spiritually. And when he comes to open the eyes of the blind, physically loving the world, he's also showing us that we are spiritually blind and, and seeking to open our eyes. And Elisha has a spiritual sight that we don't have, that, that this whole story is all about. So I want to talk about three things. First, the gift of spiritual sight. Secondly, the problem of spiritual blindness. What does it do? And finally, how can we be healed from that? So first, the gift of spiritual sight. Um, what is it? Now, see, it's not just physical sight. The servant, you know, here these chariots, or here the army is surrounded Dothan, and the servant is terrified. We are about to die, right? He sees the army, so he's not blind physically. But why then does Elisha say, oh Lord, open his eyes? Because he's not blind physically, but he's blind spiritually. See, physical blindness impairs our sight to see our physical surroundings around us. There is a similar blindness, spiritually, that can blind us to spiritual reality around us. Not just around us out there, but also in our hearts. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Who is God? See, sometimes we're insensitive to those realities, spiritually. We're blind to them. And that's why Elijah prays, open his eyes. And what does he see? Chariots of fire angel armies all around, something that he hadn't been able to see before. And, and all through the Bible, we see the giving of sight, the taking of sight, as an image of our own spiritual blindness. So, for example, the armies, right, are blinded. Uh, if you read Acts chapter 9, Saul, the Pharisee who becomes Paul, do I have angels walking around me? What's going on up here? Um, I, like to, I like thought I saw somebody walk by and they're gone. Um, God is opening my eyes spiritually. Um, but, you know, what happens to Saul, he's riding in in Acts 9 to Damascus. 
He's breathing violence, the Bible says. He's out to kill Christians, right? And God blinds him with light. Remember that? And he, he puts him into physical blindness to teach him that he is stuck in spiritual blindness. Even though he thinks he knows the, even knows the Bible better than me, he's a Pharisee, he studied at all the right places. Sure, he's correct. Sure, those people are the bad people. And God puts him into blindness. And there in the dark, Paul has to start meditating on what he knows and what has he done wrong. And Ananias, who's one of the Christians that he's called to kill, if you read the story, Ananias is sent into him to lay hands on him and call him brother. And here are these former enemies. You saw it last week and the week before when Scott and Steve were talking about Naaman, the Aramean, the Syrian, who was at war with Israel and comes to Elijah to be healed. And when former enemies become friends, what happens? The scales fall off of Paul's eyes. And he begins to see. This happens in John chapter 9, too, where uh, Jesus heals a blind man, man, blind from birth. And his disciples say, who sinned, right? This guy or his parents. And Jesus said, you guys are so focused on sin. And you don't realize this is an opportunity to do ministry. Nobody sinned. And, he, and you remember he spit in the ground, made mud pies, and sends the guy to wash. Very elaborate story. And the guy receives his physical sight. Seems like the story should end there, right? But it goes on for the whole chapter. And, and what happens is he's not just healing him physically. If you read the chapter, he brings the man to faith. He teaches him about who he is as the Messiah. And he heals him from his spiritual blindness. And guess who doesn't like it? The religious people, right? Because he wasn't in the pecking order. And, they start, and here's what Jesus said right in their presence after he had led the man to faith. He said this, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see, like Paul, may become blind. And watch this. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? You know what Jesus says? Yep. That's what he said. He said, if you were blind, you would not have sinned, but now you say we see your sin remains. And you know what the teaching is in there? If that one of the signs that we're spiritually blind is we're absolutely sure we can totally see. And Jesus guards us against that. It's, it's that to thinking we can see. Because in this story, it teaches us that. Because look, everybody's spiritually blind. The nice people, the nasty people. The religious people, the irreligious people. The moral people, the immoral people. The conservative people, the liberal people. I'll leave that one alone. They're all blind. They can't see. It's true. And he's teaching us that all of us are born into a state of spiritual blindness. Because look, the, who's the villains in the story? The, the armies of Syria, right? The, the army of the Arameans, they're coming in. They're burning Israel. They're raping. They're pillaging. They're taking people into slavery. And, and they're blind. And Elisha's going to have to pray to them to open their eyes. But look at the servant. Who's the servant? Is he a villain? No, he's way higher than being lead pastor. He's the right hand of the prophet of the Most High God. He believes in God. He believes in the Bible. He's traveling with the prophet and totally, 100% spiritually blind. So here's what I want to say to you. I know you've heard seeing is believing, but believing is not always seeing. Wow. So you can believe in God. You can believe in God theoretically, right? Nobody has the corner on the market of spiritual blindness. And all of us need this miracle in our life. And not just one time. 
over and over again, we need to pray to God in difficult situations, in circumstances when we're dealing with difficult people, when we're going after the scriptures, right? Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Open my eyes spiritually. See, because this isn't simply about, some people think becoming a Christian means becoming a good person and following the golden rule and going to the church all the time and trying a lot harder. Jesus came to bring us something way more radical than becoming better. He came to bring us sight. Can you imagine that? Never being able to see color, never being able to see clarity, having no conscience of darkness, and suddenly the scales fall off and you begin to see, right? You're seeing something, a bigger picture. Than what, and I love it when I find people that are coming into faith, not being converted because I'm going to try harder to be a better person. That'll run you right into the ground. But becoming better because God is starting to give spiritual sight and you're becoming more gentle and you're becoming less judgmental and you become more compassionate and you become more empathetic because you're seeing things you've never seen before. In fact, Jesus told Nicodemus, I want you to be born again, right? You've heard about that, be born again, be born anew. Most evangelists, most preachers stop right there. Keep reading the story. Jesus explains what happens when you're born again. He said two things will happen. If you read it, John chapter 3. He said to Nicodemus, you'll see the kingdom. You'll see this other reality, like the servant did. You'll see there's a bigger picture than the kingdoms of this earth. That you'll see the kingdom, and then you'll enter the kingdom. You'll see it, and you'll begin to live under a kingdom ethic. We all need this healing, friends, Right? We all need to come alive. I had the privilege when I was at Princeton doing my master's to a study with a national treasure who just died a couple weeks ago. You ever heard of Toni Morrison? Right, right from here in Lorain, Ohio, right? Toni was an amazing author. When I was at my undergrad, I did an American literature class, and I had to read her book, Song of Solomon, and I really liked it, right? I really did. But then when I had the chance to be at Princeton and I could audit her class, now I read Song of Solomon again. Guess what? It came alive. Why? Because I was sitting with the author. That's what spiritual sight is. That you kind of know these stories. You know, people, I kind of know the story. And I heard this story before. But man, when God drops the scales from your eyes, you start seeing things like that was never in there before. And, oh my God, it's just like fire. That's the gift of spiritual sight, friends. That's what we need to pray for. All right, let me hurry through these. What does it mean to be spiritually blind. You say, okay, Chip, we're all spiritually blind. What does that look like? Three things. First, you're blind to the depth of your own sin. Second, you're blind to the beauty of God's grace. And thirdly, you're blind to your own blindness. So first, you're blind to the depth of your sin. See, when, when you're spiritually blind, you basically think that sin is breaking rules, right? Um, and, and it's true. If God says don't lie and you lie, that's a sin. Of course it is but you don't see the depth of your sin, right? Because when people see sin as breaking rules, guess what? That's where they see it, and then you only feel guilty about it when you get in trouble for it, right? The only time you feel bad about your sin is when there's consequences, and then once you get out of the consequences, you just go do it again. See, that's just if sin is just breaking rules, but what if sin is breaking your father's heart? See, and that's when spiritual, you start realizing See, if you ask a good person, if you ask a, I'm sorry, if you ask a, a 
non-believer or whatever. Are you a good person? They'll say, yeah, I've, I've done some bad things. I've done some good things. You ask somebody that really has, understands the grace and the power and the depth of their sin and Jesus Christ that has the scales from their eyes, are you a good person? They say, heck no. No one is good but God alone. You start quoting Jesus. <laughs> you say, look, I've done some bad things and even some of the good things I've done, I've done for bad reasons. I've even helped people just to make myself feel better. You're in touch with it. You understand the depth of, of sin in your own life and the brokenness of your heart. You get it. And you, you see the totality of it, right? And the second thing is you see the beauty of God's grace. See, you know, here, here these soldiers come in. They're totally blind. They're, they think they're following an enemy who turns out to be their friend. They're walking down a street following a guy they don't understand on a street they can't name into a city they have no idea where they're going. And Elisha says, open their eyes and look where they're at. In Samaria. With the king of their enemy. You ever heard he prepares a place for me even in the presence of my enemies? And here they are and they deserve death. I mean, this is the army that's been, uh, you know, killing Israel and taking people into slavery. And now they're right there. And that's why the king of Israel says, hey, by the rules of the war, by the political arena, by the powers vested in me, we should kill them all, right? And Elisha being that mediator says, no, make a feast for them. And let's sit together at a table of friendship. And he sends them home and watch what happens. No longer is there any interest in going to war with one another again. Do you see the power of that? See, but when we're spiritually blind, we don't see the beauty of the grace of God that has prepared a place for us that when we deserve the firing squad gives us a feast and gives us what we don't deserve because when we're spiritually blind, we entertain the fact that we really did deserve it or we just got lucky or our great training prevented a disaster from having you know, happening in my life. But those of us who know a thing or two have no problem saying, had it not been for the Lord that was on my side, I would have lost my mind. I would have gotten a car and just kept driving. I would have fallen into absolutely total despair. We know something. It wasn't by my degree. It wasn't by my intellect. It wasn't by my charming uh, personality and good looks. Hello, honey. It wasn't by that. Not by might nor by power, but by God's Spirit. See, until your eyes are open, you won't see the depth of our own sin, my sin, and I won't see the beauty of God's grace. And finally, I'll be blind to my own blindness. You know, C.S. Lewis is the one that once said, the sin that is most devastating your life, by definition, is the one you cannot see. Just meditate on that. You know, they, they, they did a study of corporate America and CEOs and politicians and presidents and governors and leaders, church leaders, everything. You know what they said the number one problem for leaders in America is? Lack of self-awareness. Blind spots. Right? And see, when we're spiritually blind, we're blind to our own blindness. We're, we're blind to the places we are blind. But when you start to have those scales fall off and God brings you a gift of light, you know what happens? You get accountability partners. You get other people. I mean, I'll do this with Pastor Terry, and I'll say, hey, did I come off? How did I sound in that meeting? Did I? You, know, you start holding yourself accountable. You, you, you start thinking things through, you know, um, and, 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 and all of a sudden, you're, you're, not, you're not threatened by that anymore because you're not trying to be impressive. You understand that what's been given to you has been given as a gift. So we need, the, we need this healing, friends, because we all have this problem. 
This problem makes us blind to our depth of our sin, the beauty of God's grace, to our own condition of blindness. So how do we get healed? Let's get to that. How do, how do we receive this sight? Three ways I'm going to say to you. Third one's the most important. First, we receive this sight gradually. We receive it in stages. Because some of you are out there right now, I know, and you're thinking, hey, you know, I've accepted Christ, and I've learned some things, and, and I understand I'm a sinner, and I understand I'm a recipient of God's grace. Why is Chip picking on me? Right? Because we continue to get our sight better and better. Uh, that's why Solomon, when he prayed, he could have anything in the world. What did he pray for? Wisdom. Right? That we might grow in grace, grow in truth, grow in knowledge. Right? And we're always seeing a little bit clearer and seeing a little bit clearer. And, and it continues to happen in stages through prayer as you're diligently growing with God. I love the one story where Jesus healed a blind man. I don't know if you remember, he laid hands on him. And after he, laid, he takes his hands off, he says, what, tell me what you can see. And the guy goes, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Remember that? And Jesus laid his hand on him again. It's like, what, did he cut the yellow wire? He should have cut the green wire. Like, but Jesus doesn't swing and miss. So what's going on here? Why is that story in there? It's showing us that we need the touch of the master, and then we need it again, and then we need it again, and we're continuing to gain our focus. So it happens gradually. It happens um, in stages. That's why I love Paul in Ephesians 17. He prays for them. He says, pray, pray the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that what? That the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. He's talking to Christians. He loved the Ephesian church. What's he saying? You guys believe in God, you believe in Christ, but your eyesight is terrible. You know, keep praying that God opens your eyes just a little bit more and a little bit more. We receive it gradually. Secondly, we receive it through suffering. Okay, we receive our sight, uh, we gain our sight through suffering. Because here's one of the issues. One of the reasons we're spiritually blind, I wrote this down. The essence of spiritual blindness is the delusion of self-sufficiency. See, one of the reasons we're, we're blind is because we think we're in control. And suffering comes and takes all of that away. Right? And we realize we really, the only thing we were, we're in control of is the illusion that we were in control. And suffering comes and forces us to think and to reflect and to search and to seek and to knock. And when I was working on this message down in Florida, I was rereading this story over and over again. And the Holy Spirit arrested me on something. And it was when it said Elisha was in Dothan, right? Dothan. And, and it was like, you know, I'm like, okay, Dothan, Old Testament city. And I felt like the Holy Spirit shaking me like, no, you're not listening to me. Like, why are you bothering me? Dothan. And so I had to pray about it. What, what, where's Dothan? And then I realized the story of Joseph. If you read it in the Bible, remember Joseph in the coat of many colors, right? Some of you remember that or at least saw the play. True. I don't expect you to know all these things. I know some of you are exploring faith for the first time. That's okay. But Joseph was basically an arrogant, stuck-up, conceited teenager. He was. He was his father's favorite. That's why he got all the best clothes. And he proudly wore it like a peacock. And then God gave him dreams that he was going to be great. And he was dumb enough to go out and tell his older brothers about it. And he did. If you read it, he goes out and says, hey, boys, someday you're going to be bowing down to me. Older brothers handle that really well, right? From the punk in the family. And so listen to this. He went out at Dothan and his brothers stuffed him down a hole and sold him into slavery. 
and he went into Egypt, unjustly accused, entered into Pharaoh's dungeon. And I thought, that's weird. Elisha's in Dothan, the man of God, and he's spared. Joseph's in Dothan, and God doesn't save him. He lets him go into the dungeon and through the trials. Why? Because Joseph was spiritually blind. And had he not gone through the trouble and the travails that humbled him, and he grew up learning with God, he would have never become great. He would have never found his purpose. He wouldn't have found the ability to forgive his brothers. He wouldn't have been able to save his family and even his nation. So you gain your sight in stages. You gain it through suffering. And here's the most important thing. You gain it through truly seeing not just knowing in your head, not theoretically, not understanding it, but seeing what God has done for you and for me in Jesus Christ. Because here the soldiers come for Elisha, and they're given a feast. That who least deserve it are given a feast. And Elijah is spared. But do you know hundreds of years later, soldiers are going to come for another prophet. They're going to come for the true prophet in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here's what, you remember Peter pulls out his sword, and here's what Jesus said. Watch this. This struck me so much this week. He said, put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Chariots of fire? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? So there's one prophet surrounded by the soldiers and the chariots of fire and the angels come and Elisha calls on them and spares the people. And here now is the true prophet, the true and greater prophet, Jesus Christ. In the garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers come and there's all the chariots of fire and there's 12 legions of angels, but Jesus doesn't call on them. He takes the punishment that we deserve so that we can go to the feast that he deserved. He becomes executed so that we don't have to be. And, and, you know, when those of us who deserve the firing squad get the feast. And when you open your eyes to that, and we see what God has done in Jesus Christ, it starts to heal us. We start to see things differently. Um, I, I, have, I put this on my desk. This is something I, in my desk at home. It sits there, and I know you think it's a Buckeye, right? All the Michigan fans are saying... They're heading for the exits. It's not a Buckeye. It's not. Um, I really don't know what it is. Anybody that's a flora and fauna expert can come take a look at it. All I know is I stole it from Israel. I did. I mean, I sinned. I broke the rule. Um, it was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been to the Garden of Gethsemane five times. All I do is cry. And they do have signs around the gates like, don't take anything. And I wouldn't have taken it if those signs weren't there. <laughs> Seriously, if they didn't have the signs up, I probably wouldn't have taken it. But it, I was praying by the one olive tree, and I just saw it laying under the gate, and I thought, let me grab that. <laughs> and, I, and I did. It, maybe it was on the border. I don't know. I'm not going to be spiritually blind. But I did. I took it because I just wanted something from Gethsemane. And I got to tell you, I sit this on my desk. Why? You know why? Because when I start falling into spiritual blindness, and I get, it start, people start getting on my nerves, and things that I'm struggling with, and I feel despair coming in, I remember there was a prophet in the garden and the soldiers came for him. And he could have called down angels from heaven. In fact, they taunt him on the cross. Remember what they say? If you're the one, why don't you call down angels? And he could have. But he didn't. For me. For you. To take what we deserve. To receive the feast of grace that he deserved. 
And when you know that, that can open the eyes of the blindest person. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, in the world, words of that old hymn, open the eyes of our heart that we may see you better, that we may see your kingdom, that we may enter it and live in it. Heal us, Lord, day by day, minute by minute, just a little bit more, and let us see the fullness of what you have done for us. In Jesus Christ, we pray.